TheChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always. Always. Use your head. You are now listening to ChairShot Radio. Always use your head. Good Friday morning, everybody, and welcome back to Chair Shot Radio, right here on the Chair Shot Radio Network on the one and only ChairShot.com. Always use your head. Thank you once again for tuning in. Like I said, Friday morning, March 5th. The weekend is mere moments away. And what a weekend it is, like I talked to you guys on Monday. Coming to America is out on Amazon Prime, the brand new sequel to the original, Eddie Murphy and all the cast. WandaVision's uh, finale for the season is out already on Disney+. Plus. You've got the all-star events happening this weekend, and UFC 259, and AEW Revolution. What a jam-packed weekend. I hope everybody really, really enjoys themselves. I got something else for you today, though, as well. Myself, Christopher Platt, Dave Ungar, and Aesop Mitchell, we got together at Christopher Platt's request, and we recorded the first episode where we're going to take you back through WrestleMania Pass, six episodes at a time, over the six next six weeks leading to WrestleMania. So this week, today, this afternoon, you'll hear us pontificate and go back over some of the interesting things that happened from WrestleMania 1 through WrestleMania 6. You're not going to want to miss that. Check it out. And then the following week, we'll do the next six and so on and so forth. Uh, have a few different people rotating on that as well. I know you heard us talk about it on Pod is War, Three Man Weave, etc., but check that out today. It'll be right here on the Chairshot Radio Network for you. And I'm absolutely positive you'll enjoy every episode along the road to WrestleMania. We got your back. Like I said, if you're getting ready for the UFC this weekend, go back and listen to the Five Rounds podcast with Mags. Go back and listen to Three Man Weave with myself, Christopher Platt, and Ray Cash. If you're getting ready for AEW Revolution, there's tons of podcasts. I know the Babyface Heel podcast this week did something on the exploding barbed wire death match so that's obviously one of the big attractions for AEW revolution this weekend um yeah folks big weekend big fun can't wait to do it now what i'm doing here today for you not only plugging all these fun shows that you should be listening to right here on the chair shot radio network but i'm going to go back and use this as a little bit of different flashback friday today i don't have an old interview for you but what i want to do is run down what i like to call vacated a WCW story. And we'll get to that very shortly. Let's hit a quick commercial. I'll be right back. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thecheshop.com bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thecheshop.com Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Welcome back, folks. Cheershot Radio right here. And before we get going here, open up that internet browser. Head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chairshot. Pick yourself up a chairshot t-shirt. We got something for everybody. And speaking of something for everybody, thechairshot.com. Sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment. Always, always. A little piper there for you. 
Oh, come on, buddy. Always use your head. <laughs> That's a bad impersonation. Let's get to vacated a WCW tale. So I'm just going to kind of read down the events of when this title become vacated and how it started and things of that nature. And I hope you just enjoy me kind of listing this for you and, and maybe hearing some things you, you were unaware of or, or not the, the amount of times this title was vacated within 10 or so years is just utterly ridiculous, the booking decisions. I'm sure you're all well aware of most of them, but maybe you forgot some of them. Maybe you know them all and you'll just enjoy going back down the list here. So here we go. Just for a little retrospective, January 11th, 1991 at a house show in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Ric Flair defeated Sting for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. WCW began recognizing Flair as WCW World Heavyweight Champion while still using the NWA belt, the big gold belt. WWE recognizes this reign as an NWA World Title reign for Flair and not one for WCW. So there's your little WWE on how many title reigns Ric Flair has had. July 1st, 1991, the first vacation from the first champ. Ric Flair obviously left for WWF and was stripped for the title. When Flair left, he took the big gold belt, which represented the NWA and WCW world titles, with him. That's a problem. So on July 14, 1991, at the Great American Bash, Lex Luger was originally the number one contender to face Ric Flair, but after Flair left for WCW, uh, left WCW, I'm sorry, for the WWF, the title was declared vacant. Barry Windham was named the number two contender. Luger defeated Wyndham in a steel cage match for the vacant title. A new WCW World Heavyweight Championship belt was created and awarded to Lex Luger. February 29, 1992, Super Brawl 2, Sting defeats Lex Luger. July 12, 1992, Big Van Vader at the Great American Bash defeats Sting. Now, due to injury, Sting was unable to have a rematch with Vader, so a raffle was done to take Sting's place as the number one contender. Ron Simmons won the raffle, and with this... WWE recognizes him as the first African-American win the Professional Wrestling World Championship. August 2nd, 1992, on the main event, Saturday night's main event, would air August 16th, 1992. Simmons would drop the belt back to Big Van Vader at a house show in December, and in turn, Vader would lose to Sting March 11th, 1993, in London, England. Six days later, though, we're going to give the belt right back to Big Van Vader. Now... Ric Flair wins the belt, Starcade, 10th anniversary. It was a title versus career match. And in April of 94, the belt was vacated. A title match between Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat ended in a double pin, which resulted in title being vacated. This vacancy was recognized by WCW, but it's not recognized by WWE. And that's some of the interesting things to note here, is WWE goes back and goes, eh, I don't like that. Eh, maybe not. Eh, we're not going to let you have that one, Rick. You know, it, very interesting things going on there. So, that happened. Now, think about these booking decisions, though. That happens on April 17th. So, four days later, on Saturday night's main event, Flair defeats Steamboat in a rematch for the vacant title. Wow. Don't worry. It's going to get better. And by better, I mean worse. And I think most of you know what I'm talking about. Along comes Hulk Hogan. He has the belt. But he has a match with a man called The Giant at Halloween Havoc, October 29th, 1995. This was a match in which the title could change hands via DQ due to a contract clause. The Giant was declared the winner by disqualification after Hulk Hogan's manager Jimmy Hart interfered, followed by attacks on Hogan, oh, which led to the wonderful, wonderful storylines between him and the Dungeon of Doom. My apologies, Kevin Sullivan. 
The Giant was stripped of the title due to controversial finish at Halloween Havoc. Go figure. November 6th. No, more great booking. More great booking. Let's, let's, let's have you win by DQ. And then we're going to strip you of the title because otherwise this wouldn't be called vacated a WCW tale. Now, Randy Savage would win said vacated title at the end of November in World War III. It was the first ever World War III match. Savage eliminated one-man gang to win the vacant title. Flair would bring the title, grab the title from Savage, back and forth a few times. Eventually, the Giant would beat Ric Flair in April of 96 on a Nitro, and in turn, lose to Hogan, and said run would lead to NWO. Now, I, I actually forgot that on August 4th, 1997, Lex Luger beat Hulk Hogan, or Hollywood Hogan on Nitro, just so he could lose it back five days later at Road Wild. Hogan does that shit a lot. Now, obviously, Sting, the big win, but uh, Bret Hart accused the first ref. This is at Starcade. I apologize. December 28, 1997. Hogan first pinned Sting, but guest referee Bret Hart accused the first referee, Nick Patrick, of making a fast count and restarted the match. Sting then won by submission. I believe that's the one where all the, all the, all the wrestlers in the back come out, put Sting up on their shoulders. Huge victory. Great, great, great story arc there. Sting finally getting the win over Hogan there. He, he actually beats him twice, pins him, and makes him submit, right? Well, two weeks or so later, Sting was stripped of the title due to the controversy over the finish of Starcade match. Go figure! Come on! Haven't seen that one in a while. So, that happened. And then February, a month and a half later, Sting defeated Hollywood Hogan in a rematch for the vacant title. Just fantastic booking. It's continuing to get better. You, you know where this is going, folks. You know where this is going. I'm going to pause right there. It's February 22nd, 1998, Super Brawl 8. Like I said, Sting just won the title back that he had to vacate for no reason. Stick around. The fun comes after this. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right, folks, welcome back. I'm telling you a story that you always love to hear. It's vacated a WCW tale. <laughs> While you're listening to the rest of this, open up that internet browser, head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot, grab a chair shot t-shirt, make yourself look more aesthetically pleasing. All right, February 22nd, 1998. Between February 22nd, 1998 and September 12th, 1999, we'd have the title belt go back and forth between hands. You know, not not too much craziness going on. We, we did have Sting... Uh, we did have Sting on a particular Nitro win and lose the belt from DDP. Win it from him and lose it to him in one night. But besides that, we'll get all the way back around. Hogan, fall brawl, losing the title to Sting once again. And then in October, Sting was stripped of the title after losing an unsanctioned match against Goldberg and attacked referee Charles Robinson at Halloween Havoc. 
Okay. So once again, we're like, you don't want to lose. We'll just do something weird. Speaking of weird, here we go. On Mayhem, November 21st, 1999, Bret Hart defeated Chris Benoit in a tournament for the vacant title. On December 20th, 1999, Bret Hart vacated the title due to the controversial end to a match with Goldberg at Starcade. Then, on December 20th, 1999, Bret Hart defeated Goldberg in a rematch for the vacant title. Do you want me to rewind this one here? <laughs> November 21st, 1999, Bret Hart defeated Chris Benoit in a tournament for the vacant title. December 20th, 1999, Bret Hart vacated the title due to the controversial end to a match with Goldberg. December 20th, once again, Bret Hart defeated Goldberg in a rematch for the vacant title. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense, right? But here's where it gets even more fun. Not for Bret Hart, though. Bret Hart vacated the title due to a legitimate injury when Goldberg, like a dipshit, kicked him in the fucking head. Really fucking hard. And it forced him eventually to retire nine months later. Now, let's go back a little bit. Bret Hart screwed over in November of 97 sees his first title November of 99. It took them two years. What a bunch of morons, hey? Boy, oh boy. Well, let's keep this train going. There's more to this tale. It's really, really just getting started. Chris Benoit defeated Sid Vicious for the vacant title. This was January 16th, 2000. That's sold out. The following day, after a dispute with management, he left WCW for the WWF. The company withdrew the recognition of Benoit's reign, which was not listed in the title lineage at WCW.com. However... WWE assumed the title upon purchasing WCW in March recognizes Benoit's title reign. So technically, we have another vacation of the title. Benoit was stripped of the title because he won the match, although Sid Vicious' foot was under the rope during the submission. In reality, Benoit forfeited the title and left for the WWF after a dispute with management. We know that part. Now, Sid Vicious would defeat the Harris brothers for the right to face Kevin Nash. Sid then defeated Nash for the vacant title. That happened on Nitro, January 24th, 2000. January 25th, taping of Thunder. Sid Vicious was stripped of the title by Commissioner Kevin Nash due to Sid pinning the wrong Harris brother. Well, that's fun. Kevin Nash as Commissioner, Nash awarded himself the title on Thunder the week later, only to have Sid Vicious come out and beat himself and Ron Harris, Kevin Nash and Ron Harris, to get the title back. So let's run that one back, hey? Benoit leaves... Sid wins the title in a triple threat. It gets vacated by Kevin Nash so that he can face Kevin Nash and lose to Kevin Nash and have the title back. So that way, at one point, we can go 76 days later to April 10th and all WCW titles were declared vacant by Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff after WCW was rebooted. Come back, Jeff Jarrett, April 16th, 2000, at Spring Stampede, defeats DDP in a tournament for the vacant title. DDP would win the title back eight days later on Nitro, and then we hit the fun. April 25th, the year is 2000, on Thunder, Syracuse, New York. Tag match pitting David Arquette and Diamond Dallas Page against Eric Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett, in which whoever scored the fall would become champion. Arquette pinned Bischoff to win Page's title. And forever, DDP is known as the man who lost the WCW World Heavyweight Championship to David Arquette. David Arquette would lose the title, at Slamboree on May 7th to Jeff Jarrett. This was a triple threat cage match, also involving DDP. A week later, Ric Flair would defeat Jeff Jarrett. And then a week after that, Vince Russo stripped, the, uh, stripped Ric Flair of the title. We don't know why. He awarded the title to Jarrett, but Kevin Nash stole the title, 
Nash was then forced to face Jarrett in a no-holds-barred match, which Jarrett won. That happened. All that happened. The following day, Kevin Nash would win the title back from Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Six days later, Ric Flair would win the title from Kevin Nash. Oh, man. He didn't win it, though. He just gave it to him. He just gave it to him. And in turn, that night, Flair would lose the belt back to Jarrett. <laughs> July 9th, 2000 was the year still there Booker T would get his first reign first reign but earlier that night Hollywood Hogan faced off Jeff Jarrett for the title in a controversial match that ended in a shoot in reality Vince Russo wanted Hogan to lose to Jarrett who would then lose to Booker however Hogan refused the job to Jarrett so Russo told Jarrett to just lie down and let Hogan win Jarrett lay down and Russo threw the title belt in the ring at a confused Hogan telling Hogan to take the belt after Hogan pinned Jarrett and was declared new champion, he called out Russo for his poor booking decisions before walking out of WCW. Russo reversed the decision, declaring that Jarrett was still champion. Jarrett then lost his title to Brooker T in an impromptu match. You can go back and watch that on the network. You can watch what happens out in the ring. It's Bash at the Beach, July 9th, 2000. So if you're wondering, you've never seen that interaction, go for it. Fast forward. Kevin Nash defeating Booker T on a Nitro, Booker T getting the belt back in September at Fall Brawl, and then in a steel cage match on Nitro, September 25th, loses the belt to Vince Russo. One week later, Vince Russo decided he was not a wrestler and did not want the title. Like, you can't make this shit up, folks. This is actually what was fucking happening over in WCW. In turn, on October 2nd, that very day, Booker T would beat Jeff Jarrett in a San Francisco 49ers match for the vacant title. So all that rigmarole just to give the belt back to Booker T, who would in turn lose to Scott Steiner at Mayhem on November 26, 2000. And then finally, the last title match in WCW, March 26, 2001, the night Shane showed up on WCW. Booker T, who was United States champion, would defeat Scott Steiner in a winner-take-all match for both titles and would carry said title in to WWF shortly thereafter. Sorry if there's a little herky-jerky there on the history, folks, but I hope you enjoyed it. I, I, I know I did. Go back and watch some of those matches. That really all came up for me. Just going back and, and, and watching these WrestleManias as we're about to give you our WrestleMania special this afternoon. Um, great job by Chris Platt on there. I hope you guys are tuning in every week for that. But I was wondering, what's also going on at WCW at the same time as WrestleMania 1 through 6? And now I'm into next week watching 7, 8, and 9. Who's the champ on the other side of the of the wrestling world there? So, I, and going back and looking at some of that lineage, I thought it would be interesting for you guys just to hear all the different vacations and the weird things that happened with the WCW title. That's really what happens, folks, when you give the wrestlers too much power over how they're going to be booked and things of that nature because what a shit show WCW was with having all these guys having so much. I mean, I'm watching WrestleMania 9, and the fact that everybody hates how that went down how Hogan would come out eventually. Like, Vince wanted him to win the tag titles, apparently, and Hogan said no, no, because he had been gone and done a movie, and then the ratings slipped, and Vince knew he had to have Hogan back, so he couldn't pay him as much as he wanted, but gave him more creative control, and that's where you see Hogan goes, no, I don't want tag titles. I'm a big star. Big stars aren't tag title people. I'm not losing to Brett. I'll beat Yokozuna. Uh, Yokozuna ain't going to really beat me. The camera's going to explode. So Hogan protecting his character, you know, it's just, it can be too much, right? But nonetheless, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Vacated. A WCW tale. Thanks for listening once again this week, folks. 
Friday, March 5th. Enjoy the weekend. Huge things this weekend. WandaVision, Coming to America, UFC, AEW Revolution, and the All-Star Game. We're going to have all that coverage for you come Monday. And the rest of the weekend, we got a bunch of podcasts going on. Make sure you check out all the wrestling content at thechairshot.com. Remember to always use your head. PC Tunney right here. You can follow me at PC Tunney. Make sure you're listening to everything on the Chairshot Radio Network. We thank all of you for your listenership. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the fun events that are happening. Chairshot.com. Always use your head. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.